Alright, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. It is August 29, otherwise known as Cut Day in the NFL, otherwise known as the Day of Death if you're a Detroit Lions beat reporter, apparently. Uh, I'm Kyle Monkey, the beat writer for the Lions for MLive here, joined as always by Ben Raven. Uh, we just got done writing approximately, I don't know, what, what do you say, 200 stories, Ben, throughout throughout cuts? <laughs> I I about threw up when you reminded me that we did this last year with Hard Knocks on top of it, because this is Whoa. definitely our most quantitatively disgusting day of the year. <laughs> well, it's, it's always tough because you're covering every aspect of the Lions roster. Um, no. These days we do a lot with the former guys and what they're doing around the NFL. And then after all of that last year, we also had to cover a Hard Knocks episode, write that up, podcast about that. That was a long day. My my brain hurt. My spirit hurt after that day. Um, <laughs> no Hard Knocks this year, thank God, but it was a long day of cuts, Ben. Um, and, and it rolled out pretty slow for the Lions. It was pretty quiet early on. Um, and they waited, I think, about two hours, maybe just a little bit more than that, um, past the deadline to release their their roster. Um, you know, hashtag competitive advantage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, not sure what the holdup was, but they, you know, they're doing some some maneuvering with their roster, and I think more is to come. I think that was evident. One of my big takeaways from what we saw in the fifty three Ben, including at running back, we only saw two running backs. Make the cut, Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, and, and listen, Ben. As we dive in here to some of our thoughts about the the initial roster, um, you know, the big thing that struck me was obviously two running backs from a team that wants to run the football, that ran the football very well last year, that wants its identity to be about running the football. Um, got the twelfth overall pick in Gibbs. You got three first rounders up front. Big free agency spend on David Montgomery. Um, and then you go into the season with two guys at the position. Um, clearly, there's going to be more moves to come, I think, there. And it could even be Craig Reynolds, who I was surprised to see cut. But with the amount of depth we've seen on defense in camp, how much they wanted to, to, to roster some of these extra edge rushers and cornerbacks, uh, there had to be some some um, you know give and take to that. And, and they took away at, at running back. And I think that we're going to see... Craig Reynolds come back to the team in the next couple of days or maybe um, someone on the waiver wire that that the Lions see as a upgrade at that position. Yeah, and that's what I've been replying to all the MLive sub, subtext subscribers that have been freaking out about only two running backs is that like I fully envision Craig Reynolds being back here with some moves to IR to open some spaces up. But yeah, this is definitely the cutest Brad Holmes has gotten with his <laughs> roster. For sure. There, I mean, there's some maneuvering around. I mean, it's kind of... Easy to predict some of them with Iffy and Julian O'Quara. Like, it feels like maybe an injured list is in the future for both of those guys. And then, obviously, that's two spots to open. But, man, 12 defensive linemen slash edge defenders, 11? 11 defensive backs? That's just... I thought I was being a little bold when I called 27 defensive rosters on my final roster projection, and they have 29 defenders on this roster to only 21 players on offense. And that's that's crazy. So there's some moves to come. Yeah, and, and maybe we can dive in in a second into the defensive backs because there's something to be said about that as well. But I, I really, yeah, I was really struck by the the overall depth on defense, but particularly at um, pass rusher and on the defensive line. And Ben, it's something that you and I have both, you know, seen in camp. It's something that you and I have both written about repeatedly on M Live. And you know, people ask me like, okay, so there's all this hype about the Lions. 
they've perpetually disappointed and broken hearts, you know, throughout their existence. So why is this year different? That's something I get from fans. It's something I've gotten repeatedly doing national interviews. Like, hey, like, okay, we're hearing about the Lions every day. Like, <laughs> is this for real? Like, what are you seeing out at camp? And I'm my go-to answer is always it's it's the depth. I, I just haven't seen a team a Lions team this deep. You know, I've seen star players come through Detroit, you know, the Kelvin Johnsons, the Indomitian Sues, and so on. But this team, I mean, the, the 40th best player on this team is is so much better than that kind of guy I've seen in, in previous years. And in particular, we saw that in the front seven. We saw, you know, we saw the pass rush with, you know, Aiden Hutchinson and, and Charles Harris, uh, in the starting lineup, playing really well. Josh Paschal and John Kaminsky behind those guys in the pass rush. That's four right there. And that doesn't include Romeo Quora, who twice led this team in sacks and is now healthy again. Or James Houston, who was second among all rookies in sacks last year. Um, and I mean, those guys, we saw those guys on the third team in camp. Yeah. And they're big names in the pass rush from previous years. They would have led the pass rush in previous years, and now they're third teamers. And it really introduced some you know, interesting questions about who's going to actually make this team. Could James Houston be traded? Um, could Julian Okora be cut? And the answer to all those questions was no. The, the lines carried all of them. And uh, like you said, Ben, that could mean a, maybe an injury designation is coming for Julian Okora. Uh, I don't know that. But um, the, you know, the, the lines are clearly deep at that position. And after so many years of not being able to get to the quarterback, the lines want as many bullets in their chamber as possible. Yeah, and like a little, it was a little less of an issue on the interior defensive line, but to see Levi on your on Rizike's name on there with Benito Jones, like I think if you was said a month ago to have both of those guys on the roster, I would have just been like, wow. I mean, anything they get from Levi this year is an absolute win, and it's just it just speaks to that depth. I mean, maybe Broderick Martin comes on a little slower than we thought with Benito Jones making a strong push. But like you said, I mean, that's 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 the thing around here. It's the depth in the trenches on both sides of the ball that just makes you feel so solid about the hype surrounding this team. Yeah, and behind the defensive line too, I think we saw um, way better depth at linebacker. And I want to see those guys play a few weeks before I'm ready to crown those guys as, you know, I don't know, back or something. But clearly the numbers are at least better. And that's something that we haven't seen either at that position in Detroit. Uh, Alex Anzalone, you know, he played really well last year. I was kind of dogging him early in his career in Detroit. I didn't really see what the coaches saw in him and he kept getting contracts. But yeah, I thought he played really well last year, particularly considering some of the struggles up front, uh, inconsistencies up front, particularly you know, early in that season, um, Anzalone came on strong. And this year we've seen dramatic improvements from Derek Barnes. Uh, so much so that Jack Campbell played, I thought, pretty well in the preseason, played progressively better in the preseason and still isn't locked into a starting job despite being the 18th overall pick who's playing pretty well. Um, so that's three good options right there for a linebacker group that's going to usually have two guys on the field. And then you still got uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, who started there last year, uh, really good against the run. Um, you still got Jalen Rees-Maben, a, a veteran who can, you know, knows his way around a defense and, of course, is going to offer a lot on special teams. They kept Anthony Pittman because of what he can do on special teams. Ben, they, they had seven linebackers in camp. They kept all of them except for one. <laughs> and even the one guy might be back on the practice squad because uh, I think his name is Nowaski, right? The kid from yeah. Saginaw Valley State. He tackles really well, like didn't really 
flash in a big way in camp. There's a reason why he was cut, but he kind of struck me as a Dan Campbell type, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was kept around just you know as a, a guy in the practice squad. No, absolutely. I think I summed the linebacker room up as optimism inducing. So it's like not trying to get carried away, but it's like it's really easy to feel good because I mean we're it's real when we talk about Derek Barnes potentially starting over Campbell in the opener, and that's a pretty shocking development because as we've said over and over again, and as we've been told over and over again that Derek Barnes was close and. It's looking real for sure. I mean, and just I, I think we both predicted Reeves, Maven, and Pittman both to be there. I mean, Pittman has only almost played a thousand special team snaps over the last three years, and Reeves, Maven is probably going to eat the most reps in that department this year. So it's like, man, I mean, give it up to him. You got you draft a first round linebacker, and you might not even start out of the gates, and it's still looking good at the position. So that's that's a win. Give Campbell some time because I think he'll definitely be there sooner than later. But like. You know, Barnes Barnes is looking a little more ready to go in week one, and I think that's what's pushing that. No matter who starts in week one at linebacker, whether it's Barnes or Campbell, yeah. I feel like you can go either direction at this point. They're both practicing well. I, I think they're going to lean on sure. Barnes's experience going into the, the season, particularly the opener against uh, Patrick Mahomes. But if something happens there, they could bring in Jack Campbell and not lose anything. And I think it's uh, true at, at pass rusher, aside from Aiden Hutchinson, you'd lose something big by, by, by you know, if, if there's an injury at that, you know, with with Hutch, but outside of that, you have so many bullets to fire out there. Ben, this is what you see from good teams in the NFL, and I don't know how good or dominant this defense is, but I've seen enough to to, to think that it's going to be dramatically better this year. They were dead last in the league last year in yards allowed. They should be a middle of the of the pack defense this year, at the very least, and maybe something better than that. Um, you know, it's a long season. Any team can play a, a good game, but playing good consistently requires depth. Like, injuries are going to happen. You need depth, and that's something that we've seen across the defense pile up uh, throughout training camp. And, hey, was I expecting 29 defensive players on the initial 53 versus 21 on offense? No, I wasn't expecting that big of a number. But having seen it, it doesn't surprise me because that's where the that's where the depth was. And... Um, moving to the back end of the defense, Ben, we, we, see, we see the same thing with some of these bench guys back there. I mean, Tracy Walker is going to come off the bench at safety. That guy was the number one safety in Detroit for years, you know. Um, at, at cornerback, you got good new players and Brian Branch in the slot um, doing big things in training camp. You've got Cam Sutton brought in as the number one corner. You've got Emmanuel Mosley coming off pup. He was signed to be a, a starter. And I don't know if he's going to start right away because he hasn't practiced yet. And there's only like, what, eight days until the opener or something like that. Um, thank, thank God. Um, and yeah. And then, you know, and then you got Jerry Jacobs, who's been repping really well with the ones in Mosley's place. I don't even know where Mosley slides into the lineup necessarily because I, I really like the configuration that's been out there in camp. And even if something happens there, you got, you know, versatile guys like Branch who can move to the you know, move to safety. You got CJ Garner Johnson at safety who can move to, to the slot. Um, you got good young pups on the bench and Khalil Dorsey, Stephen Gilmore, the undrafted um, rookie cornerback who intercepted two passes in the preseason. I, I think really played his way onto the roster and into a week one paycheck with that um, pick six uh, in Carolina. I, I thought Starling Thomas the fifth was ahead of those guys. And in the end, he got pushed off the edge of the roster, even with them going so deep on defense. And again, Ben, that just tells you how, how freaking deep they are on that side of the ball. 
Yeah, exactly to your point, because, I mean, I've been talking about Starling Thomas like he's a Lester Rock for like two and a half weeks. So, I mean, I think that was even more personally surprising than just the two running backs thing, just because it kind of felt like that was like a locked in place guy. But you said it perfectly. I mean, even Khalil Dorsey played his way onto this roster with a strong finish to camp. A really physical cornerback just kind of fits that mold of the guy that Aaron Glenn likes to play. And I mean... I mean, you're looking at Chase Lucas off the roster, too, the seventh-round rookie who, like, has kind of kept eating more off the bone on special teams and made a really nice interception in the preseason finale. I mean, that diving pick at the goal line on Andy Dalton. I mean, there there were some tough choices to make here, and that's what happens when you get better. I mean... I mean, I think I had Thomas and Gilmore through, and then look at it. It's Gilmore and Dorsey. I mean, Gilmore really kind of just was like a consistent riser. Maybe Starling Thomas came out of the gates hot, but uh, that that had to be a pretty freaking tough decision right there based on what we saw from Thomas for a month plus. Yeah, no doubt, Ben. I think we saw a class of player that was cut this year that we haven't seen in previous years. It's usually, I mean, like like the Lions might have one guy claimed on waivers coming out of cuts usually, but I could see a couple come out out of this year. I mean, and Sterling Thomas is a a great example of a guy who's a, a rising young player who, I mean, heck, man, that guy's going to be uh, making this this team most years. You know, Tracy Walker is going to be leading his position group most years, and these guys have been demoted, and in Sterling Thomas's case, didn't even have a job. Um, and that's again, it's tough for the kid, um, but it's what you want to see, like. As this team gets better, the the talent gets better. Like you want to see good players cut. It's a hard process and it's difficult, especially with a guy like Thomas, who I think fits the character profile of what they're looking for too. I'm sure having that conversation with uh, the kid who who did everything right, more or less. Um, you know, I, I think maybe he tailed off a little bit at the end of camp, but like he brings the pedigree you want. He's a punishing player. It takes no shit out there, that's <laughs> for sure. Um, a bit of a bit of an enforcer. He's what they want, and I mean, they ultimately had to say sorry because they have just you know too much depth. And I think of more than anything, Ben, that was a big takeaway of mine from today. And it kind of reminded me of something Dan Campbell had mentioned earlier in the week about you know this being a difficult process because of the kinds of players they were cutting. And I guess maybe we can listen in that audio real quick as we you know segue here to the offensive side of the ball. Like every year, this is the hardest uh, time for me, you know, and Brad. I mean, it's. You know, there's nothing worse than watching guys just uh, give everything they've got, bust the rear, you know, blood, the sweat, and all of it. Um, it's hard to look them in the eye and tell them, uh, you know, that hey, it's this is as far as it goes for now. Um, but there'll be a number of guys too that that uh, yeah, you you didn't make it on this uh, maybe the 53, but you're you we want you back here, you know, and if, if it doesn't work out somewhere else or somebody's not willing to claim you, there's a reason why we want you back because we feel like you can help us. And our practice squad players play. I mean, they, they play during the year, whether it's injury or special teams or, I mean, there's a good chance you're going to end up playing uh, at some point this year if you're with us. So, um, but it's tough. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing fun about this. The players that, that we're letting go to are, are uh, Man, they're they're just the way they're made up. Yeah, I mean, any team would love to have them. How many decisions do you have left to make? It's tough to say. Um, you know, we're close, uh, but we still have. There's a number of moving pieces between here and then looking out. You know, on the other 31 teams too. And where does that? Is there a piece there that fits here? Or how does it? relative to what we already have here. And so we're, we're, we're close, but 
we still have. There's a little bit of uh, flux we have to go through here. Yeah, tough week for, for everyone, Ben. Tough week for the team as they're cutting some of these guys. And you know, tough week for us as we're sitting around all day waiting for some of these moves to come in. What was your, I'm curious what your day was like. Like, what's your routine like? What do you eat? Like, are you eating like garbage like I am or what, what are you doing? Yesterday was my garbage day. Like, I had like the Tootsie Pops, but they have like yeah. the new sour version of them. And I ate that whole freaking bag to the point where Elaine came in the room at nighttime and like came to get one. And she's like, You ate that whole bag? So today I've been a little good. I, I made I made myself a quick little PB and J, and that's about all I've had today. How about you? <laughs> you're you're, dis- you're a disgusting man, Ben. Disgusting. I love my candy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't ate much. My girl made a smoothie for me. Um, I had some leftovers at lunch, but no, it just I mean I'm just sitting in a windowless room all day, like pulling my hair out, waiting for because it's busy. We have so much stuff to do, but you're also at the mercy of the team announcing some of these moves in the lines. I think we're one of the last teams to announce they waited two hours after deadline to finally push this out so it's it's made for a long day um but once they put it out ben i you know it's intriguing and i I feel like every year brad holmes is chalk in almost every way like we have a good anticipation a good feel for what he's looking for but i feel like every year he also does something a little different like last year cutting both of the backup quarterbacks for example i I don't think anyone Saw that coming. I think he cut both his kickers once, if I remember right. Almost did it again, apparently. Yeah, he still <laughs> might. He still might. Riley Patterson is the team's kicker. I, I don't know how long that'll be the case for, though. Or if he'll be if he'll be in Kansas City. I think you and I have a better chance of being in Kansas City than Riley Patterson. Um, but yeah, moving to, to the offense, let, let's start with maybe receiver. That was, you know, one of the big battles in camp. You know, who was gonna win the fifth and sixth jobs with JMO being suspended for the first six games of the season and that suspension by the way is now in effect so you know, that that dude like I, I saw him in the bathroom the other day in Allen yeah. Park um <laughs> he cannot do that again until week four um he's gonna be barred from the facility until week four and can't play until week seven so with that suspension Ben that left you know one or two jobs open behind the big four um it ended up being just one job they had they they rostered five receivers overall uh, Amon Ross St. Brown obviously needs no introduction to listeners. I mean, he's been, I mean, phenomenal. He's been phenomenal this summer, and the ankle's not going to bother him going into week one. It's all good there. Um, Josh Reynolds, Marvin Jones, uh, Khalif Raymond, that's a, a decent supporting cast. They, they'll miss the speed of JMO, but anybody would. You know, it's still a pretty good veteran uh, supporting cast. Pretty sure hands among all of them. You know, Raymond's pretty versatile. Like, like, there's a lot of things you can do with that mix. And because of that, and the numbers we've already talked about on defense, the lines went light at receiver. Just like everyone's going to hear, it. they went light at every position on the offensive side of the yep. ball. And that was true at wide receiver, keeping just five guys. Um, the one bench guy was uh, Antoine Green, the seventh-round pick. Ben, I'm curious, um, how surprised were you with the pick of Antoine Green over, say, um, Dylan Drummond, who also had a really nice training camp? I actually had Green making the cut over Drummond with Chase Cota in my finals, just because I just saw, you finally saw the speed that we kind of been waiting to see from Antoine Green in that preseason finale, and just... You think about his size and his ability to play that X spot and kind of spell Josh Reynolds as he picks up the slap slack, excuse me, while JMO's out for those first six games. It kind of was like, all right, I see the vision here, but I kind of expected another guy 
and maybe it still happens. Like you said, five is definitely light. It was less than what I was thinking, but maybe, maybe it's another guy, but just like green, just kind of stylistically fits. He brings a little size that they need. He brings a little speed that they need. And I mean, we're just talking about Starling Thomas. I mean, Dylan Drummond, that's brutal, man. That's absolutely brutal. The time and the work and the improvement he showed and making it this far as a local tryout. We talked to him on last week's episode and just kind of was like, he had a great shot. And obviously Chase Coda, I think he was waived with the injury settlement. So he's free to sign anywhere, but can't be back here for like two months or something like that. CJ Moore situation last year, but yeah, mildly surprised at just five but Antoine Green I kind of felt like won me over a little bit finally saw that speed I've been kind of hungry to see for a minute I wasn't shocked to see five receivers in fact I I think on my for sure on my second uh, roster projection I only had five and I think on my final one as well I don't have it in front of me and my brain is mush at this point so who knows I maybe I had 17 I don't even know but um but it doesn't surprise me that they had five. That's kind of the way I was thinking uh, along the way for them anyway, just because sometimes as beat reporters, I feel like we get really caught up in like looking at, you know, these kind of like battles and a very granular level, like Chase Coda versus Dylan Drummond versus Antoine Green. And, you know, you can see the the um, the traits with Antoine Green. He's big and fast. We saw it with the 70-yard touchdown catch in Carolina in the finale. We see Drummond every day making plays. But I think if you pull out you know, from like our point of view, when you think about the big picture of this team, you just get more value out of um, a pass rusher, even a guy who's on the end of the bench or an, an extra linebacker like they kept or an extra a cornerback uh, like they kept. The guys will contribute on special teams. D- Dylan Drummond is not going to contribute on an NFL field on special teams. Not right now anyway. He hasn't it's just not his profile. He doesn't have those traits. He's not big enough. He's not fast enough. Yeah, he caught a lot of footballs with the second team yeah. offense. But I don't think he did enough in the games to show that that would translate against better competition. And obviously on Sundays, the competition gets even better yet. It's kind of like, for me, Ben, the, the Tom Kennedy effect. Like, just a really productive player on a practice field. He's going to do everything you need him to. Really smart. I really enjoyed I had three or four conversations with him in camp and really enjoyed talking to him. But the, at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, what is his utility to a 53-man roster on a, on a Sunday, on an NFL game day? And I don't know what that is. You know, I mean, is he going to play five snaps on offense and nothing on special teams? Like, like you're just not going to get enough out of a guy like that as your sixth receiver versus like an extra pass rusher or a guy who can play on special teams like an Anthony Pittman or... Uh, a Cleo Dorsey or some of these guys who are actually vying for jobs on, on teams. Um, and so for me, coming down to, to just one receiver is not a surprise. Um, I could see a, a case where they took Drummond, but I, I I totally understand why they took Antoine Green. I mean, he's got an NFL trait to him, which is his speed. He also, he also has very nice size and length. I don't think he's the best receiver. I don't think we'll see him very much. But you put him on an NFL field, you can still see him making a play. And I just kind of always question that with Dylan Drummond, particularly when you, you know, consider what else they could do with that roster position on the defensive side of the ball. No, absolutely. And I mean, I just think his kind of size profile and play similarities to like being a slot guy. And like you said, like special teams, he needs like a full year of getting prepared and maybe adding some weight to be ready for that. So not, not too surprised by that. But like you said, if it's between Anthony Pittman and a six wide receiver, I'm taking Anthony Pittman every time. So they, they kept two quarterbacks, uh, eight offensive linemen, uh, three tight ends, all again, light 
for their positions. I mean, I guess we expected probably two quarterbacks, but their hand was forced with the Sudfeld injury. Just curious, your thoughts on their decisions there to go light at those positions and maybe the guys they kept. Yeah, you know, no real surprises. I felt like tight end was like the easiest thing to project on those projections for sure. That was a clear top three. I mean, Awashika was like kind of the only name I could have seen from that group that got cut making it just because some experience last year. I really like his size and athletic ability on the interior. But I mean, Colby Soresdale, he pretty much wrapped at one of those reserve guard spots all in camp, got some reps at tackle, and it became pretty clear that Matt Nelson was going to get another go around as the extra. So, yeah, no big surprises there at all. And quarterback, I kind of felt like that was written in stone before Sudfeld's injury. It just was like it kind of felt like if there was going to be a third quarterback that they were going to use it was going to be elsewhere. Like Sudfeld's play really fell off when the Bridgewater rumor started. And then when Bridgewater got here, it just was like pretty clear that not happening or not going on there. So bummer for him to tear his ACL and that guy's got seven years in the league, but kind of, yeah, not surprised, not surprised by anything, but the running back situation for sure. Cause even Jason Capenda making the cut, not really going to help you out there. So some stuff's got to happen. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, you know, quarterback, I know fans kind of fell in love a little bit with Adrian Martinez. I heard them talk on the radio about, Oh, can they cut him? Is he going to make it to the practice squad? I, Again, it's kind of like what I said before, like the, like us as beat writers are also vulnerable to this. We also do this. You get just too caught up in like what you're seeing to think about the big picture. No one is rostering Adrian Martinez as a second or third uh, quarterback. Like he's he's going to make it through waivers. And Ben, I, I think that he might come back on the practice squad. He has mobility as a quarterback, and that's something that the Lions haven't had in for forever. They don't have it elsewhere on this roster now. Um, and you have Patrick Mahomes waiting in, in week one. And I mean, guys like him have hurt you forever. And there's been no quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. So that's a big problem. And having a guy like Adrian Martinez who can move around at that position to help you prep for Kansas City is, I think, a, a huge advantage. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Martinez on, on the practice squad. But he was never going to make this team as a third quarterback. The, the writing was always on the wall, uh, as you wrote in our analysis on, on MLive. You know, it, this was always going to be all about golf this season, period. And if he does go down, you have a capable backup in Bridgewater, but you're still not going where you need to go with Bridgewater. I mean, this is golf's offense. Uh, it's going as far as he takes them. Um, so no no surprises there. At offensive line, mildly surprised, and I, could, I can never say his name, but Keod Awasika, I butchered it, I'm sorry, Keod, but... Um, you know, he started a couple of games for Detroit last year, and I thought they might keep him as an extra body up front with you know just how much of a premium they put on offensive linemen and how much they've tried to build up the consistency there and how many injuries they have sustained over the past couple of years. But I think having you know that position group healthy for the first time, knock on wood, and I'm literally All knocking right. on my desk right now. Um, <laughs> You know, it, like it created a situation where they didn't need the extra body and the versatility of guys like Graham Glasgow, uh, you know, Big V, you know, um, uh, Kobe Sorsdal, um, some of those interior guys to be able to, to flex between right guard, left guard and in Graham Glasgow's set, uh, case, even center. It gives you options and flexibility. Sorsdal also played tackle in college and has rep there in Detroit. So he could play tackle in a pinch. Uh, Matt Nelson's back as the... Um, you know, the third offensive tackle, but it, the, the flexibility of the linemen they do have and the health 
that they've emerged from, you know, from camp with allowed them to go late at that position and again roster all the pass rushers and so on they wanted to do you know what they wanted to on the defensive side of the ball yeah no absolutely and just we're still kind of waiting to see what happens with that right guard spot big v graham glasgow either way they've got a starting level guy coming off the bench and i mean depth is at such a premium in this league and while people are freaking out about offensive tackles on twitter and stuff like that the lions probably not only one of the best, but one of the deepest, especially with one of those guys coming off the bench. I mean, just that raises the bar alone. I guess overall impressions, Ben. What are your what are your thoughts on on the roster heading into Week One? You know, it's it is it is. I mean, it really does reinforce what we've been talking about all month that this defense is deep, and that I mean, while there's going to be a little more balance shift back to the offensive side of the ball before Week One, I mean it really just speaks to how well they've built this defense and rebuilt this defense and found guys like Charles Harris and exercise patience with guys like Romeo Aquara and Levi. And I mean, giving guys chances. I mean, their land of opportunity in the first two tough years, first tough year and a half of this new regime has really paid off with guys like Charles Harris, John Kaminsky, Alex Anzalone getting a three-year deal after really, I mean, you and I were brutal on him when he started, as you said, but last year, I mean, a little slight scheme scheme tweak really turned into an important leader on that defense. And I mean, just there's depth everywhere. I mean, it's absolutely, I mean, you really just see the vision for Aaron Glenn's defense. You see Brad Holmes's ability to scout and find guys that these coaches are able to develop. And that that's my mind, main takeaway is, wow, this defense is going to be 15 or 16 slots better at the end of the year. I also like the mix of veterans with young guys that have across the roster um, you know, maybe the defensive backfield is a good example. You know, you bring in a, a veteran like Cam Sutton, like C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who really sets the the tempo in a lot of ways for the guys back there. He's such a good player. He is such a shit talker too. It's, it's he 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 is such an instigator. It's so funny. I really wish I could tell folks like the some of the stuff that he was saying to the 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 Giants kicker during. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Jaguars kicker. The Jaguars kicker. I mean, he was just talking so much shit to him like standing like six feet away like on the sideline the guys just McManus is just trying to warm up and Carter Johnson doesn't (laughs) shut up and then in the game uh in the finale I I forget who got hurt but someone got hurt and CJ Garner Johnson is talking shit to him too (laughs) that's right Thielen that's right Adam Thielen it's just amazing oh god but you know they they have guys like that and even like Tracy Walker on the bench Alex Anzalone linebacker um but then these like young guys rising up behind them too and guys who are more uh established like say like a like a like Aiden Hutchinson right second year young guy but like is really coming on strong um Josh Paschal uh up front as well um and so on Kirby Joseph but then you have young flyers you're taking too on a guy like Stephen Gilmore who I'll be frank I didn't notice on the field the first week in camp and by the end of camp, you couldn't not see him on the field. And he picked off those two passes uh, in the preseason. You know, the one was off a of carom, so right place, right time. But you have to be in the NFL, like you have to know what you're doing and have good instincts to be right place, right time. Everything happened so fast, and he he showed that. And then I, I was really impressed, Ben, by the pick he had uh, in the finale in, in Carolina. And again, you're doing it against a slew of backups on the field, so who knows how good this kid really is. But clearly he's got some ability to him and some ball hawking to him. And clearly ball hawking is something that's been an emphasis with this team, with the guys they brought in. And, and you know, Kirby Joseph in the draft last year, Carter Johnson um, this year. It, it's just been, um, 
you know, a, a remarkable uptick, I would say, in the ability to generate takeaways in camp. And I think we even saw several days in camp where the defense was ahead of the offense, taking the football away and all, all kinds of stuff like that. I think they had four takeaways in the preseason finale. And bringing in guys like, you know, like a Stephen Gilmore, like a Quill Dorsey, uh, who's having, um, you know, big contributions to that end of things and doing it as young guys with high development developmental upside behind the veterans, I think is a real recipe for, you know, sustained success in the NFL. No, and just, I mean, we haven't talked about him enough, but just the growth and the ascent of Brian Branch has just completely given them more versatility because that CJ Gardner, Johnson and Kirby Joseph back end that you're talking about, they're going to pick off some balls and they're going to be laying some nasty hits this year because they were doing it to their own teammates throughout the entire camp. And it's just, there's going to be a, different feel to this defense this year it's going to be the same similar scheme you've seen but there's there's this is going to be high energy and this team has really struggled to generate takeaways in recent years since I started on the beat five years ago and I fully expect that not to be the case this year and a lot of that is due to Brian Branch just kind of taking over that slot and pushing CJ Gardner Johnson back where he led the league in six, with six interceptions last year so absolutely I'm with you on that you know who made more plays in in Lions camp than Brian Branch I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody, Ben. Like, particularly yeah. on defense. I mean, Amon Ra was unstoppable on offense when he was yeah, healthy. Yeah. But, like, on defense, man, and, and it's not just the takeaways, which I think, you know, he, C.J. Garner-Johnson, Kirby Joseph were right in the mix for most takeaways in camp. Um, and he had a pick six, too, by the way. Brian Branch did. But it's not just that. It's the coverage ability at large. It's his play in the box and run support. It's his play in the defensive backfield with TFLs. And it's taking down quarterbacks in the blitz. I mean, he did like, he affected the game in every way a slot cornerback can. And, I, you know, I've, do, I've done this for too long, Ben. I've seen too many camp sensations turn out to be uh, nobody's. That I really am, I'm really am reticent to crown this kid as something, um, you know, at, at this juncture. But also, I don't think you can watch Lions Camp this year and not walk away thinking that dude's a a, a baller. That dude's. Yeah. A, I almost had a naughty word. I I'm trying not to. Uh, you know, he's a he's a baller. Like he he is a. He, he was fun to watch, man. He made so many plays, and I think he's really gonna be. Uh, something special to watch this season no absolutely and yeah it's it's smart to be kind of cautious about a rookie especially with that but it just kept showing up and it just kept showing up in joint practices I missed the Jaguars week but that that was that week against the Giants was the first week where it was like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. what's going on here like this guy's not going to be playing behind anywhere <laughs> like <laughs> well we've all seen the kind of player Tracy Walker is and I don't think he's necessarily lost a step in his return from injury. I, I, he looked like the same guy to me, and yet he found his ass on the bench. And that tells you all you need to know. Knowing what Tracy Walker is as a player, what Brian Branch must already be as a player, for them to say, okay, we're going to take C.J. Gardner-Johnson, one of our biggest free agent additions, and we're going to totally change our plan for him and move him from the slot back to safety. And we're going to do that to take Tracy Walker, our captain, out of the lineup so we can put the second-round rookie draft pick in the lineup, like the second or third week of camp. Like that, like that, that should tell folks everything you need to know about what we've seen in camp, which has been substantial. Yeah, without question. I mean, Tracy Walker has led this team in tackle three out of the last four years. Is probably, I mean, he's probably, he's got to be in the running to be a team captain again, and he might not even be starting. So everything you just said there, I mean, 
to see him get the chance and just completely shift what we were thinking was going to happen in that secondary. I mean, every time we talked to Aaron Glenn about what he wants in a nickelback, he basically just screamed CJ Gardner Johnson's name. So like, just, it's just, yeah, the impact is real. And I think it's, I mean, what a boost for week one against Mahomes, especially with Mosley potentially being out. I mean, that's, it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming in just a, a matter of a few days. Next week, Thursday, in prime time for the whole country to see whether this hype really has been for real. Um, our, our first litmus test for that anyway. Um, we still have some activity on the deck for, for this week, Ben. We're talking to Brad Holmes uh, later in the week. I don't think I'm supposed to divulge the timing of that quite yet. But we're, Brad Holmes will, will, will speak with reporters later in the week. Uh, we'll get some coordinators over the weekend. Um, in practice, we'll gear up for, for week one. And we already have our first snapshot of the roster, and I think it, it looks promising. And listen, this is still a team that's, I mean, it's still, they have a very good offense, and they need their offense to be very, very good to go where they want to go. But we're seeing major gains on defense, and I think this initial construction of the roster reflects some of the things that we've seen um, throughout camp. Ben, I'm going to call it a night i'm, I'm gonna go eat something disgusting probably um maybe take a shower um, <laughs> because it's been a while since i've done that it's been it's been a long it's been a, been a long day <laughs> i definitely need to do that and i've got a chicken pot pie calling my name from kfc i think so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> all right man have a good night it's been real and man week one is here I'm, we're 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 ready This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.